Yeah. And um, so it's uh, it kind of brings me joy, actually. If we were in a meditation hall, we wouldn't be uh, having having tea or having our breakfast. But here, um, for this part of the instruction, it actually feels lovely to see you taking care of yourself and nurturing yourself and um, doing what you need to do. And then when we begin the meditation period, it's helpful um, to not be eating in case some people are, you know, it just makes a distraction in the, in the hall. And um, or you can turn your camera off if you need to do that for that period. Yeah, thank you. Hmm. Well, I, um, my deepest hope is that you found some rest last night after our first day of this retreat and our theme of resting, of arriving, calming, settling to whatever degree is possible. And the intention to turn our attention towards rest, to notice it, to see if what's needed to cultivate it. Uh, and our theme today uh, for the second day of our retreat is um, rejoice. And this theme is inspired again by <laughs> Richard Wagamese, who I referenced yesterday as well. Um, a wonderful author and scholar and um, survivor of our legacy of intergenerational trauma of our indigenous, the people of this land. And Richard Wagamese wrote this beautiful piece here that's really inspired me for today and I hope inspires and touches you. So he begins, rejoice. Rejoice, um, let me just move that, there we go. An odd word that literally means to experience joy again. That should be our daily mission, to experience joy again. Sure, there's stuff that needs doing, stuff to wade through, stuff to fix, but there's also joy of small things, a hug, a conversation, playing a song all ragged and rough on an instrument, walking on the land listening to great music, or enjoying silence and a cup of tea. Rejoice, fill yourself again. Rejoice, meaning to experience joy again. This should be our daily mission. And he acknowledges, yeah, there's stuff that needs doing. There's still stuff that's unpleasant. There's still stuff we don't like. Uh, there's still buckets of water to haul. There's um, still a blank pandemic. <laughs> and so last night I was speaking about 
the Buddha's awakening to the Four Noble Truths, or Four Ennobling Truths, as they're often also called, and the truth of Dukkha, and also seeing its cause, the cause of Dukkha, um, the cause of dissatisfaction, stress, unease, um, and the way, the middle path that he came to that involved rest, like we were practicing yesterday, finding that middle way. Um, and the word dukkha has uh, these two parts to it. So um, this word dukkha is a Pali word. Pali is the language that the teachings from the oral tradition were first written down in as far as we know, as far as we have access to. Um, and um, so the first part of this word dukkha, it's D-U-K-K-H-A, and the D-U um, means bad or um, Bad is the easiest way to translate it. It's like not a good, not good. It's a prefix. And um, ka, K-H-A, means an empty hole or a space um, or an aperture. So it's um, dukkha means a bad hole. And it was used in reference to the axle hole of a cart. So you could... Imagine at that time, or even now with our cars, if the, the hole of the wheel is badly formed, is uneven in any way, or is broken, or is not a smooth, even hole, it's going to make for a very uneasy ride through this life. And... Um, Dukkha has an opposite, which is sukha, S-U-K-H-A. And sukha, the S-U means good. So a, a, an even, well-made, a, a good hole that will make a smooth ride in that cart. A good axle hole. Uh, that uh, it will run swiftly and easily. And um, this word sukha um, in, the, in the Pali English dictionary uh, also means things that are agreeable, going well, smooth. It means well-being. It means happiness, pleasure and ease and joy. So these are things that we started to um, invite yesterday of just easing, calming, um, relaxing our system so that we can open a little more today, hopefully to rejoicing as Richard Wagamese is inviting us and teaching us. And last night in the talk, we remembered hearing the Buddha recalling and remembering um, the, the pleasure, the pleasantness, the joy that comes from withdrawal, 
withdrawing from sense pleasures. So not the um, transient joy of everything, getting what we want, basically, and getting rid of what we don't want. That this pleasure of sukha is con not conditioned by all the our outside circumstances that are mostly beyond our control, even though we try so hard, <laughs> so hard to keep controlling everything. Um, maybe by now you've realized most of life is not up to me because my goodness, it would be different if it was. <laughs> and Yeah, so this, this kind of sukha, this pleasantness, this joy, happiness, ease, is different than our cultural association with joy. Uh, the, the one we've been sold as the bill of goods, uh, that um, we think of joy as exuberance, uh, especially this time of year, New Year's Eve, and maybe this is why we have skillfully chosen to be here. There's kind of this enforced gaiety of of uh, forcing ourselves to some kind of manufactured joy. And this uh, sukha, this type of joy is, has a calmness to it, a receptivity. We spoke about that last night as well. The, it's not, it's not a uh, dull, um, and it's also not exuberant. It's, it's uh, receptive and calm, has a calmness to it. Hmm. Part of the seclusion of this joy is also secluded from unskillful mind states. And this is why we began with our precepts, our intention to um, calm our hearts and minds by not taking what isn't freely given, by not causing harm with our sensuality, with our intoxications, um, with our words and our actions, etc. cetera. Uh, and also this joy is supported by mindfulness and is a support for mindfulness. So cultivating looking for, intending to awaken to joy in our everyday lives and in our formal practice supports samatha vipassana, supports calm, tranquility, and insight. Seeing things clearly how they truly are. Yeah, And also the more mindfulness, awareness we have, uh, the more joy we'll grow and which I'll talk about in a moment in these different ways, deeper ways. Some other words for joy or this capacity of sukha that uh, we're talking about today is gladness of heart, soft heartedness. Gladness of heart is nice. It's just so light, you know, gladness of heart, uh, tenderness. And these condition more appreciation, more gratitude, contentment, enoughness. 
are it helps to counter remember that harvard study i mentioned at the beginning of our day yesterday you know where 47 or if we round it up by 3 to 50% it just makes it a nice image <laughs> but we could say accurately 47% of our day spent in wandering thoughts associated with unhappiness because we're not here and now and this this automatic pilot groove habit of body and mind and culture um, that is really rooted in insufficiently insufficiency that we're not good enough you're not good enough they certainly aren't good enough the weather isn't the conditions the you know it it has this when the mind is wandering it's because it's like wanting something else it should be this way i better show up and be this way because that's how i want to look you know so it has this flavor of things never quite being good enough and when we turn towards joy this calm joy we're like oh it's like this actually right now this is not to say that we're not going to act and respond in our world tomorrow we're talking about responding uh, we do need to uh, continue to be agents of change in the world, absolutely. Um, and right now, it's like this. And what's actually here that I'm not noticing? What can I cultivate and turn towards that will support these qualities? And for those who uh, are in uh, Sutta study, this is from the Samyutta Nikaya 36.31, SN 36.31. Uh, and remember, for those that are not studying Sutta, don't worry about that. Totally, totally let it go. Uh, so this is actually, um, is it the Buddha saying this? Let me just see. I don't have the context of this sutta, the preamble to it. I believe it is, but I, I can't say for sure. There's usually context of who is speaking in these teachings. So it's pointing to there is a monk's worldly joy. And there is unworldly joy, and there is still greater unworldly joy. And there's also worldly happiness, unworldly happiness, and still greater unworldly happiness. So we can just kind of put these together, even though they are have differences to them. But we're talking about joy and happiness and sukha today. Um, and so this first one, this worldly joy, we have these five sense doors through which we know this world. Remember, we ended with that quote last night, one of them um, from Catherine McGee of her teacher saying, imagine how much harder it is to calm and awaken if we only had a mind and how the body um, is an ally in, in this practice. Um, and so we have these sense doors, which is how we interact with and meet and know our world. And so these five cords of sense desire forms cognizable by the eye, 
um, sounds by the ears, odors known by the nose, flavors known by the tongue, and touch tangibles known by the body. And in um, worldly joy, these things are wished for, desired, agreeable and endearing, associated with sense desire and tempting to lust. So this sutta is pointing out that these type of joys, all the things, all the things that we want, <laughs> like, oh, look at that, it's so beautiful. Uh, like, I find myself reaching before I've even had the thought I wanted. My body's just like, let's get on that so fast. And so here we're slowing down and noticing. Even when I practice walking meditation, say you're outside, and the eye catches something agreeable, maybe a bit of color or sparkle or something, and it just instantly moves towards it. And I find I'm often like reaching for it, wanting it, pick it up. I often want to take something home, like, oh, look at that nice piece of wood or stone or something. It's like, oh, honey. <laughs> You can just let that be there. It's okay. So just to pay attention to how instantly these type of joys pull us into desire, wanting, getting, keeping. And the, so we can begin the practice by just noticing some simpler joys, the simple joys of this body resting here right now. It doesn't need to create desire to keep and get the simple joy of this breath, of the walking, of waking up today, another day. And then the unworldly joy. So noticing these worldly joys that are part of our sense doors without letting it feed desire or noticing how it feeds desire and just watch that interplay then helps us to cultivate unworldly joy. Unworldly joy is the one that's secluded from sense desires, secluded from the unwholesome states of mind that the Buddha awoke to that we talked about last night. And this is actually a meditative state that is accompanied by, there is still thought, there is still thinking happening, but it's not thinking of desires, what else I'm gonna do when I get out of here, when that bell finally rings. But um, there's a thought still happening that can just redirect us back to our anchor, the body or hearing or breath, whatever anchor we choose in our meditation. Begin again, thoughts of kindness, encouragement, curiosity and this is the joy and happiness born of seclusion seclusion from fueling our painful mind states and um, withdrawn from outer sense desires and uh, then there's the still greater unworldly joy which um, I won't go into now um, which is just the deeper states of jhana or concentration um, where, um, yeah, 
something to aspire to for now and or perhaps it's something it's um with this being a short retreat it's probably not where most of us are practicing today okay so uh we're going to have a a meditation practice now and I'm going to um, just give some instruction, reminders of our instructions yesterday in the beginning for maybe 10 minutes, and then I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to mute myself so that I don't keep, because <laughs> it's hard for me to be quiet. <laughs> and um, yeah, so then you will guide yourself and just uh, remind yourself of the beginning instructions. All right, so let's get comfortable. And it, remember, if you're not feeling well, if you're in pain, if you're not well today, it's really okay to lay down. These are practices of kindness. So we can just continue the recording through. Getting any cushions or shawls, any supports that you need. Bringing in our intention for stillness. And even if you're practicing walking meditation at this time, you know, there's an inner stillness. Feeling the support of each other sitting here together in this meditation hall. That we could describe it as virtual, but maybe it's actually just a lot bigger than it would be in a retreat center. Feeling ourselves in all these different locations across the countries and in this sense of width and space. And yet we can still feel our connection to each other. There's people sitting behind me, in front of me, beside me. And they're bringing their wise intentions, their ethics, their values. Kindness, their wishes for wellness for each other. As much as possible, allow yourself to feel held by that, tethered, supported. And see what posture is supportive for you for your eyes, whether that's resting closed or downward or gently peripheral vision in your space, 
or looking at something peaceful, joyful in your space. Beginning as we did yesterday, resting back and down. Bones dropping down, muscles softening. We've been talking about this hourglass shape of our meditative attention. At first, we just let it be wide. Feeling whatever is here swirling around. And in a few moments when I'm silent, you can come back to that part and take your time with that. Just wide attention, just sitting. And then as you start to gather your attention, you choose an anchor. So your anchor could be opening to receiving hearing. And then today, we might also attend to the joy of being able to hear, even it's unpleasant sounds or pleasant sounds. Your other anchor could be settling with the body, body sitting or touch of hands, choosing a body anchor. And if it feels supportive for your cultivation of this worldly and unworldly joy, attending to the joys this body, how often we notice what isn't working. And as Thich Nhat Hanh reminds us to also attend to non-toothache. Part of the body anchor you might choose could be breathing this sweet, simple joy, this sukha, ease. And when you're guiding yourself, really take your time with this gathered attention, settling, attending, unifying your attention to your anchor that you choose. And after a good chunk of time, if you feel some stability with that, you could gently widen your awareness again, still with the anchor and gathering back in if it gets a little bit too wide or too loose. Let's continue together.
resting with your anchor and attuning to the sukha that is there with curiosity, gentle attention.
here is where our practice gets most fruitful. As restlessness may arise, aversion or desire or doubt, just notice how that feels in the body. Does it pull your attention up and out? Or maybe there's dullness or sleepiness arising. What does that feel like? And then with kind and gentle attention, withdrawing from sense desires, going to sit under the rose apple tree. And begin again for a few more minutes.
with each breath, there's the joy of letting go and the joy of beginning again. In a few moments, as I ring the bowl, just receiving the sweet vibrations, the sukha of the sound.
So we'll stop the recording there and... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.